Well, it's great to be with you today on this Outreach Sunday. And I want to encourage you as we begin that the theme of our message today is beyond the scope of what most Christians understand. That the theme of the love of God is an all-affecting, all-impacting truth, which I'll prove to you in a moment from Scripture. So that whatever you've heard today, whether it's from Judy working with uh, prison and prison release uh, local people or John and a basketball outreach or VBS or light in the park. Whatever you think your block is that's hindering you from becoming part of that or some other ministry, I will show you today that at its root and core, your problem is one thing. And it's a love problem. And once you understand that, and the the subtlety of this is simply this. Whenever love is supplanted or replaced by any other motivator within us, according to scripture, that is, if it is taken from first and displaced by something good, by anything else, going down second, third, or wherever it may be, you are losing enormous power in the spirit, and you are truly, you have stopped at that point following Jesus Christ. So I want to show you that whatever you are struggling with today, whatever you are struggling with today, It is a love issue, and I want to encourage you that you're not far from great victory and being greatly used of the Lord, going greatly beyond anything that perhaps you have ever realized in reference to a personal relationship with Christ and being empowered by him here. After the service, I'll be out in the... Out in the entrance, we have a display of what we're doing in, Phil- in the Philadelphia area and, and in South Africa. Debbie and I go once or twice a year to South Africa to a Bible college where presently we have 120 students from 25 countries in Africa that we are training in a three-year curriculum uh, to take the gospel and to plant churches and to create uh, vocation Enhancing ministries, community centers. We want our church planters to be able as well to test the market of their own context and to create sustainable work for not only the parishioners, but for the community. So uh, we are training in our three-year program uh, those uh, young men and women, not so young. The average age is 37. Uh, so we're really getting a lot of leaders in that ministry. But if you want to kind of stay in touch with that ministry, we have a, an email sign-up sheet there. If you're on Facebook, you can just put your name and check off Facebook and we'll become friends, you know, as we do on Facebook and, and enjoy that connection. 
but if you think your, our economy is bad here, come to the table and take a look at a Zimbabwean 500,000, 500, what was it? 500 million dollar note. 500 million dollar note. And uh, you'll thank God for the stability of the United States economy. Let love win through you. That's the title of the message. And as well, if you want to dig more deeply into that, it's the title of my last book. You can get that at Amazon. Same title, Let Love Win Through You. Not all things in the Bible are equally important. All things are equally inspired. Not all things are equally important. When I have a shot at a congregation, and I'm usually speaking in a different church each week with my ministry in and around Philadelphia and South Africa, if I perceive that it's not an evangelical group, then I'll preach, you must be born again. That's no problem here. Uh, So I preach this second message, let love win through you. Why? Why love? First, because love mattered and matters most to Jesus, indisputably. Matthew chapter 22. Hearing the, verse 34, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God. Now think of this. God was asked, what matters most to you? And God in human flesh answered. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. All your mind. That's every thought. All the time. All your heart. That's every emotion. All the time. All your strength in a parallel passage. That's all that you do vocationally, at home, wherever it may be. Carrying out your will physically. Love the Lord your God with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. They are connected. The second, it's interesting, if you study the repetition of this throughout the New Testament and find where the apostles then epitomize the law of God other, in other places in the New Testament, they drop the first command and go straight to the second. James calls it the royal law, the king of the laws. Love your neighbor as yourself. Why? You see that a beautiful banner is hung on the wall. It is suspended on 
screws or probably screws. I'm no, you know, great uh, architect, but I expect that there's screws there. You take the screws away and however beautiful and truthful, great as thy faithfulness is, it comes crashing to the ground. Jesus said, on these two commandments hang all the law. All the prophets. In other words, everything that I, God, who John says, God is love, everything that I have revealed to you is suspended for its benefit, its blessedness on love. Love is what holds up all that God has revealed. So, if I'm not preaching... In love, if you're not receiving in love, if you're not reading your Bible in love, if you're not teaching or having your family altar in love, what good is it? You say it must be some good. No. Listen. Love, let love win for you because it matters most to Jesus. Secondly, it matters most to Paul. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Too often we isolate this text to debating about spiritual gifts and lose its impact. This is the power of love is the most excellent way. It's more powerful than than not only working a miracle, but having a miraculous gift. And we're not going to get into that debate, but it's a fact. Love is more impactful than if you had a miraculous gift. And one of those gifts was the gift of healing. Listed by by Paul. Which in the Bible itself is defined in the life of Christ and his apostles as a never, never, never failing gift. More powerful than putting your hand on whomever you are led by the Spirit of God to put your hand on and healing them physically is to be filled with the love of Christ. It is the most powerful force in the world today. That is why Jesus said at the end of his life, One commandment, one thing I command you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must, must love one another. By this, all men will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Now, this you've all heard, but somehow, strategically, Subconsciously, not deliberately, in us, love gets displaced. And I'll show you five good things that displace love. Because Paul said this. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. In other words, if I worship, 
perfectly. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels. Now, I know this because of my relationship and study and teaching and and working with all sorts of, of congregations. That people will forfeit love to argue about worship. And they will lose the power of the Spirit of God over that issue. You say, well, that's not happening here. Let's move on. You say, that's not our problem. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge. Now, let's put it this way. If I have such an expansive understanding of the Holy Scriptures so that I am your Bible answer man. You can just bring me anything. And I got the biblical answer. That's what we need, more Bible answer men. No, you say, we're not not hung up on that. I I don't yell at people when I'm having my morning devotions when they interrupt me. Because studying the Bible is that important to me that... I can lose love in my heart when I'm interrupted. Maybe it's prayer. Maybe you've displaced love by prayer. Though I have a faith that can move mountains, but have not love. I want you to understand what he's saying here. These are good things we pick to make Greatest, and God said, they aren't. They must be driven by love, by not your love, not your lesser love, by your surrendered love and replaced love of Christ that has come to fill your heart. Well, not only do some people get hung up on prayer. Oh, we're just not spiritual enough. If we had people in the church at 5 a.m. every day of the week, revival would happen. This is the way we think. No, we're just too materialistic here in America. Well, we certainly are. But that's not the problem in the church. Because you can give all you possess, not part of it, not some of it, not $150 to help someone down it in the park. Though I give all that I possess to feed the poor and beyond that, the ultimate sacrifice, though I become a Christian martyr. But have not love. Notice what he said. I am nothing. I gain nothing. Now how much is nothing? How much is your Bible study without love? How much is your prayer without love? How much is your worshiping right without love? 
nothing. Can it be? It seems to be doing something for me. It seems to be doing something. It's nothing compared to what you, your worship, your prayer, your Bible study, your giving could be. If you were, if the love of Christ compelled you, why should we let love win through us? There's many reasons. I get into them. In the book I've, I've, I've given you two because it matters most to Jesus, because it matters most to Paul. I show how it matters most to every local church, without exception. The moment you let go of this, your church loses, begins to lose its empowering. By the Spirit of God, whose first fruit is love. Well, we got to know what love is. Paul helps us with 16 descriptors here in chapter 13. Of those 16, scholars, and I think they rightly say that the most important one by which you can best understand agape compared to our limited loves which are all small pieces of the pie, is found in verse 5. Love is not self-seeking. Love never, never is selfish. Love, rightly defined, love is... Always working for the good of the other. Always for the good of the other. Love never is self-focused. God's love. You can see it in Christ, in its perfection. Always someone else. Always time. Always the other. Cherishing, delighting in, helping Desiring the good of the other. Now, this is different than our instinctive love. Our instinctive love is always being kind and kind in the way that our culture defines it. That's a very small part of love. When Jesus took cords into the temple, remember this, 1 John 4, 8, God is love. Jesus is God, therefore Jesus is love. All the time. When he took those cords into the temple, that was a supreme act of love. Because that was what was needed most. He didn't get grumpy. He didn't get up on the wrong side of the bed. Someone didn't tick him off. That's not why he did that. He did that because love always seeks not the comfort, but the good of the other. How selfish are we? We hear of needs. Down in the city where I work most of the time, uh, men making professions of faith in Christ and women in prison and getting out and being held at an arm's distance from the church is one of the greatest problems 
that exist. They hear in the church that you are a brother in Christ. I mean, in the prison. They get out of the prison, go to the church, and people are filled with what? Fear. Exactly. You have a fear problem? Don't ask to be bold. You have a fear of witnessing? Don't pray for courage. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your mind, all your heart. It's a love problem. You ask God, replace my provincial, narrow, selfish, bigoted love with the love of Christ. That's all, Lord. I can't love the way you tell me to love. I can't respond to this need that Judy spoke about as I should. I'm not even going to get excited about five alive. Though if we do write down under the guidance of the Spirit five people in our web of influence to start praying for, do you think that God who loves the world will not win many of them to himself? What you need is encourage. What you need is love. Because love gives birth to courage. All you need to say is, God, you who loves the world, put that love in me. And he will. He promises to. 1 Thessalonians 3.12. He promises to. The very love of God. Ephesians 3, 17 to 19. Paul told the Ephesians, this is your problem. I pray that you may be given the power to grasp the height and breadth, the depth, the width of the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge so that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. How could these people, without their study Bibles, the canon wasn't even established to the 4th century, how can these people turn the world upside down? Most of them don't even read. This is how. I, because of my background, I, I have to know world religions. I have to be able to teach world religions. You ask a Muslim what matters, he'll tell you about the five pillars. You ask a Taoist of the way of the way of the Tao, the teaching of Lao Tse, and he'll talk to you about four great truths. You ask a Buddhist, what is the way to perfect nirvana? And he'll give you an eightfold path. You ask a Christian. He says, well, you know, there's just a lot. There's just a lot. The Bible's filled with a lot. And every day I read my Bible and I'm blessed. But you forget that there's one thing. One thing needful. And this is you being filled with the love of Jesus Christ which was poured out into your heart at the moment of your rebirth. But then, with your renewed will, 
Alright? God worked a miracle in those whom he poured his spirit out onto and regenerates. Alright? Theologically. God is sovereign. God does it. However, once God regenerates you, you have a new will. You have the ability to choose. And when love is waiting to be chosen, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. That is the truth of the, of the, for the Christian life. You don't become passive. You don't say, oh, sovereign God, do what you want to with me. Of course, that's how we pray. Your will, not mine, be done. But where he showed us what his will is and what is most important, it is rebellion when we selfishly choose something else. Love never seeks its own. This is why we fight in our marriages, because at the moment we've given up love and we've decided you didn't deliver the goods in some way the way i expected the way i wanted it angered me and you're going to catch it because you angered me see that's all letting go of love love has somehow fallen down from first place to whatever place it falls to and however long it stays there this is the source of our struggles Why does a man go to pornographic material? Follow me now. Many will say, well, you're not holy. Okay? You have a holiness problem. Pray for holiness. I say this. Pray for love. Holiness is born out of love. Do you know what holiness looks like without love? Holiness means to be set apart. God fills you with holiness without love. I can't do that. I can't go there. I certainly can't work with people released from prison. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. This is holiness without love. What does love do? Love sets you apart for the beloved. That is holiness. As a matter of fact, if you took the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, read them in parallel to 1 Corinthians 13, you would see that all the fruits of the Spirit are depictions of love in 1 Corinthians 13. When you let go of love, you let go of everything that is empowered by God. Because God is love. Let love win right now, today, through you. This is what you say, I've been praying so long and I've had no answers. This is why. Do you pray, Lord, I love you for the biopsy. Lord, I love you for the pink slip. Lord, I love you. I trust in you. I don't understand it and it hurts. But I don't just come to you, gimme, gimme, gimme. We have not because we ask not. We ask and receive not because we ask wrongly. To, to heap it on our own desires, James says. Let me close with this. 
Listen to this promise. Get, get, get the book. Let me come back and teach you more about the love of God. I can take you to one church in the New Testament that was planted by Paul. And Paul said, this is the only time he ever said it, the only time it's ever said of a church in the New Testament, this is the model church. It was a church plant with a church planter for no more than six months. And it became the model in the midst of persecution and famine. And it was all because they lived a life of love. So powerful was the testimony of that love to each other and then to their surrounding uh, community that Paul said only to them, I don't have to return to northern Greece, uh, to, to Macedonia or to Achaia, to southern Greece anymore, because your testimony is so strong that they all know how to find Christ. Here's the promise to you. Whatever your need is. Psalm 91, verse 14. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect. Are you fearing? I will protect him. I take my sweetheart into arguably one of the most dangerous countries of the earth. And into some of the most dangerous settings, not because I'm a madman, because I know God's calling and I know his protection as long as that will bring him most glory. I will protect him. Now look at this. Verse 15, Psalm 91, 15. He will call upon me and I will answer him. Why? Because he loves me. I'll be with him trouble. I'll deliver him. I will honor him. You've lost your job. You've worked 30 years for a company and they've laid you off and you wonder, where's the honor? I will honor him. With long life, I'll satisfy him and show him my salvation. Let love win through you. Let's pray. Lord, bless your word. Bless this church. Bless my brothers and sisters. Bless the seekers here today that finally have figured out today what's so attractive about Jesus and at times unattractive about his people. Lord, fill us. Hear our repentance. Mobilize us in love. In Jesus' name. Amen.